0: yo yo ladies and gents welcome to a Thompson and other disappointments uh, on a Tuesday evening it's uh, it's episode 202 202 of of the podcast uh, your two time or sometimes three times a week delve into the world of uh, well the realms the galaxies of news, politics, dystopia, awfulness, terror. And more awfulness. Uh, what's going on out there? What's happening? Let's uh, let's jump straight into it, shall we? Uh, normally I do a bit of podcast admin stuff, but let's just get straight into it this time. So um, what's in the news? Sunak, Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister, is on holiday. He's taking a break, guys. How will we cope? Uh, he's on holiday, and so are the standards in British political life. Clearly. <laughs> The few of them that we had before. Anyway, I mean, we, we weren't exactly flushed with the standards <laughs> in politics, were we? This hasn't been a golden era of politics holding its head high of late. I don't think even in these divisive times that is, you know, that's something on which we can all agree unanimously. It's not been a good era, good time for politics. Cabinet ministers holding up their middle fingers to crowds... Uh, Dominic Raab calling the leader of the opposition a wanker over the dispatch box. Wine and cheese vomit up the walls. Blowjobs in the foreign office. It's not been a great time for dignity and integrity in politics. The mother of parliaments would be a disapproving mum (laughs) right now, I should imagine. Were she an actual mother, she would not be looking on with a sense of pride in her children right now. Um, I don't really know when it started to go wrong. With like, I, mean, I suppose it all went south with Boris Johnson, didn't it? I mean, it was still mostly sane before Boris Johnson, I think. The fucking horny, shaven... Polar bear that he like just just took the standards didn't he took the standards that we all kind of ish sort of expected in public life and he just copped a squat all over them didn't he just shat all over it like a super soaker filled with vindaloo or some shit just no fucks given just a a jet wash of sewage on a patchwork quilt did Boris Johnson on the tapestry of political standards. Like, before him, before he came along, I feel like MPs still had to at least pretend (laughs) to have some class and compassion, didn't they? Or pretend to not be charmless sociopaths right like everyone talks about sociopaths masking don't they like oh you know he seemed he seemed so nice you know he volunteered at the soup kitchen but then it turned out the entire time he was he he was murdering hookers in between the truck driving shifts like he was masking the whole time guys but now now i feel like post johnson i feel like these motherfuckers all congregate in the carlton club Just a Thursday night social for psychopaths or something. And they're all like, yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, we we don't even have to mask anymore. Like we don't even have to pretend to be nice. It's fucking amazing. The golden era for sociopaths, if not political standards. But what do I mean by that? By the whole like, you know, we don't even have to mask anymore. and The tanking of political standards. What's the story that's on my mind? Can you imagine? you venture just take a wild stab in the dark okay so before the Johnson carnival rode into town before that even in the Theresa May cabinet even in the David Cameron years of effectively wholesale slaughtering disabled people in the austerity era golden era for that shit even then you would never dream of having an MP much less the deputy chair of the Conservative Party, giving an interview. (laughs) Like, that is the key thing here, right? It's not even caught on a hot mic or anything, but actually deliberately in an interview on the record in the Daily Express saying that refugees should just fuck off back to France. Like, you would never get that back then. Like that would be a career-ending thing, pre-Boris Johnson, I reckon. Career-ending. But now, you know, since Johnson, <laughs> since his ruinous effect on our politics, now it's just par for the course, isn't it? It's just another day. Like, what a legacy, man. It's unbelievable, isn't it, to... To enter politics thinking you're Churchill <laughs> and to to leave it in this state, you know? Bloody refugees can can fuck off back to France if they don't like it, like it's like a double pronged thing here as well. Like it's there's two things that are really bad about it. like first it's the F bomb itself. Dropping the F bomb. From an elected official. Like, is that really where we are now? Is it. Elected officials walking around throwing 18 rated language? Is that really, you know, the best and the brightest? <laughs> is that. Is that ministerial code and upholding the highest of standards territory? Is it really? I mean, I know I'm not one to talk. <laughs> In. In that regard, because, you know, quite clearly I am liberal with my language. We all know that. But, you know, I feel like I feel like one of the reasons I don't want to go into politics properly. Or even really, you know, into mainstream journalism, if I'm honest, like or or whatever, like it's because I, I don't want to have to temper how I express myself like they do, you know, I don't want to have to temper my language. I don't want to have to pretend that I'm more polite and respectful and courteous than than I actually am, you know? But they do, or at least they're supposed to, right? So imagine how fucking stupid I feel now, knowing that I could have been an elected member of parliament with all the trimmings, the grace and favour, a driver, a flat in the city. I could have called everyone a cunt. The entire time, and no one would have batted an eyelid. You know, like, this is, this is the GB News Offcom thing all over again for me. <laughs> like, I start this show on YouTube on the basis that I am outside of Ofcom's reach. And so then I can swear as liberally as I like. I can drink booze on camera, and nobody can rein me in for it or anything, only to find out that then, oh, no, yeah, that's right. Look. GB News can say anything they fucking like. Mark Dolan can smoke on the air. They spread conspiracy theories on a fucking news channel. And Ofcom are like, Yeah, are we're, uh, we're a bit, bit busy over here, to be honest. Could, could you call us if they, uh, give us a ring if they storm the capital? Yeah? Like, they just don't give a shit. I'm like, why did I sign up for YouTube then? Like, I should have just <laughs> set up my own news channel news in inverted commas but yeah anyway the swearing thing the freedom to express myself cheers by the way don't know what you're drinking i'm on a craft ale <sighs> happy tuesday um the swearing thing the freedom to express myself like that is one of the reasons why when people say to me, and this happens reasonably often, quite frequently now, they go, well, you, you're very into politics, Age. you know, but you, maybe you should become an MP. Like, I'm always like, no, no, I don't want that. Because the idea of having to conform or reframe myself, you know, and what, you like have me in a, a double-breasted suit somewhere, you know, pretending to be nice all the time, like, fuck that. That is... <laughs> Not me. So I couldn't be an MP for that. Well, and also, you know, the drugs and the hookers, obviously. You know, the three-day weekends that I spent out of my mind on cocaine and MDMA is always going to come back to bite me. <laughs> if I ever even dreamed of pursuing an actual political career, obviously. I mean, it would be pretty funny, though. Like, it'd be fun- It'd be hard for Labour or Greens or whoever I was the you know, candidate or spokesman for on the morning rounds. I'm like, yeah, that would be hard. for that. Like, it'd be hard to ask me for a coherent policy on the war on drugs. when there's <laughs> like a 50-50 chance. I'd be high as fuck while you're asking me about it. Like, <laughs> I'd not be a good candidate, regardless of the language. But anyway, back to Leanderthal. Let's try and stay on point here. For once aid, just try it. <laughs> Not to go down on a tangent, down a rabbit. Anyway, so on prong one of this two-pronged media disaster from Anderson, of this comment from this Baron of um, prong one, is that, you know, I assumed that dropping the F-bomb was probably still a bit not okay. You know, that was my assumption for a, for a government minister that it might not be okay. I mean, in you know, like in this sort of scenario kind of thing. Like in some situations I'd be way more understanding of ministers swearing. Obviously I would. You know, sometimes swearing for emphasis you know, even by people you loathe can be a good thing. You know, if it's in the right time and place, the right scenario, it can be it can still be a good thing. Even if it's someone that you don't particularly like. Like if you're if you're Matt Hancock and you just murdered ten thousand grannies and you hear the numbers <laughs> and then you're like, oh fuck. You know, then fair enough. Because then it's like, that is the correct context in which a government minister should utter some profanity, right? It's like, oh, Matt, knock, knock, yeah. Death toll's in. Uh, It's a solid 10,000. Oh, oh, fuck. Like that is, you know, like if someone explains to you that your incompetence has left 10,000 families digging a grandma-shaped hole in their gardens, maybe then, as a government minister, you can drop the F-bomb. It's actually quite appropriate. To be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) But this isn't that. Is it? This isn't a guilty fuck. Although you know, somewhat ironically, a <laughs> a guilty fuck is sort of what ended Hancock's career, right? <laughs> but but Lee usage of the f bomb isn't one that he's sort of you know channe- channeling his his guilt through, is it? It's not a place of compassion. That interview, in fact, fucking far from it, is almost a total opposite of compassion. It's desperate refugees who have the temerity to ask that they not be housed on a floating fucking death trap. And they're greeted with Anderson's, you know, fuck off back to France <laughs> usage of the F-bomb. So yeah, if it were used in a compassionate or guilty way, then fine. But it's not. It's used in a mean-spirited, ignorant way. And it's combined with this go back where you came from. Like, this is the second prong of it. It's like, drop the F-bomb. Okay, now we're in dodgy territory. Drop the F-bomb and combine it with some sort of xenophobic... Do you know what I mean? Like... Then it's a sort of two-for-one deal of sackable conduct, or at least it would have been in the decades gone by. But it's wild, man, at how little or few the repercussions will be of that. And that's, you know, in a newspaper interview, and it's just there on record, the deputy chair, Fuck off back where you came from. <laughs> like, And just nothing will come of it. I don't know there's, you know, there's probably a few people out there listening, maybe, who, who are like, oh, well, you know, who do you even vote for? You know, both of them are as bad as each other. They're all the same. You know, we hear that quite a lot. But can we just pause for thought here just for a second to take note of the fact that Lee Anderson was originally a Labour councillor. Right. That's where he started his political journey. And he was all but thrown out of the Labour Party for bothering to hire a digger or a forklift or whatever the fuck it was. So he could put big boulders in the way of vans from the traveller community. Right. And they took exception to that. They were like, that's sort of, you know, traveller or, you know, whatever. And he resigned from the Labour Party over that while they were investigating it now i'm sure there's a lot of differences in the way that different corners of the labor party operate and i'm positive that they get things wrong and even some of them probably say some horrible things and racial slurs from time to time i'm sure that that's true but i really think it's worth noting that someone like lee anderson who obviously holds well-documented attitudes to travelers and now refugees that he was all but thrown out of labour early on, before he could cause them any problems. The Tories made him deputy fucking chairman, right? Well, they're all the same. No, they're fucking not. I mean, the other thing that struck me about this um, this story was, uh, I mean, I said this this morning on Twitter, but, like, we probably shouldn't rule out that this story has just evoked certain sensitivities in the old boy because he does love a barge, doesn't he? Like, he fucking loves his barges. Like I don't remember I don't know how many of you guys remember, like, a couple of months ago or something. It was early spring, I think. Somewhere in between his his other hugely embarrassing partrigian fuck-ups. Like the thing where he said he would he'd fight the election on the culture wars and the trans debate. Uh, and then the time that he staged a doorstep interview, that was pretty funny. Uh, it was somewhere amongst the greatest hits that he's now famous or infamous for. He went on Twitter and he was like, he said, this is almost word for word, I swear. Like he said, um, I'm going on a barge for a few days with me boys and anyone who thinks that's wrong needs a reality check. And <laughs> everyone's like, what the fuck you want about, you daft cunt? <laughs> I'm going on a barge for a few days with me boys. And anyone who thinks that's wrong needs a reality check. Like, has, has he pivoted? <laughs> are we not fighting the GE on the culture war now? Like, uh, You're fighting imaginary adversaries on Twitter, are you? Who, who hates barging? Is that <laughs> the new culture war target? Like there's some imaginary swarm of lefties. Who hates his shitty boat holiday? Like, that's what they hate. That's what they've got a problem with, is it? Like, Lee, mate, it's not the longboats that are getting people riled up. It's the vegetable ward nonsense that you keep coming out with about food banks and 30p meals and shit. No, 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 no. I, I definitely think this is about my boat. <laughs> what are you doing? You know what? I actually wish this can make me sound petty as fuck, but I actually wish there were more people who just had a problem with his boat. You know, <laughs> like I wish, I wish I lived closer to his ends. You know, because I would just drive over to the canal that he's on. He's there with his kids for his four day break or whatever, and I would just block the fucking lock with with stop the boats banners. <laughs> like, and wait and wait for Suella to turn up and tell me that she shares my frustrations. <laughs> Stop the boat banners in front of his shitty longboat. I'd look him in the eye while I take a shit in the river. Like, I'm sorry, but I would. I would take a shit in the river while he's on his weekend family barge trip. And he'd be like, what, what are you What are you doing? You, you can't just poo in the canal, you, you, you heathen. I'd just shrug. I'd be like, no, no, it's cool. i I check with Therese. She said, "It's fine, Lee. <laughs> like, Bloody loves his barges, doesn't he, Leanderthal. Sunak, meanwhile, Rishi Sunak is—he's uh, off to California, isn't he? Like the uh, like the green card holding U.S. resident that he still is, I believe. I don't know if he ever really. Like, did he get rid of that when it all kicked off? I, I honestly don't remember. It was around the same time as his his Infosys heir wife was revealed to be a non-dom, which is uh, which is all just like what what other period, what other decade could you have had a chancellor of the UK Exchequer as a US resident? <laughs> fucking green card holding motherfucker with a non domiciled wife like he refused to say even if he had personally benefited from her non dom status like how can you have a chancellor avoiding tax like that it's mad but anyway so yes he's off holiday in in California with his Infosys heir wife and they've spent quite a lot of time there I gather they're proper, you know, jet-setting Silicon Valley types, aren't they? He and his, his emphasis air wife, the Sunaks, back to California again. Which I always think, you know, like whenever I see a thing about them donating to the school out there or... Or taking calls from big tech companies or his his Silicon Valley Future Fund. You know, I'm always like, look, mate, you obviously don't want to be here. You know, like, like, it's quite clear they see their future over in the States. I think. Like, you don't apply for a green card residency for a goof, do you? People don't book hotels that they're not going to stay in. Do you get me? Like, like, he's one of those guys in your team, you know, or your department that clearly doesn't want to work there anymore. And you're like, look, why don't you just fucking quit? You obviously fuck, you know, or or a girl that doesn't want to be at the party, that sort of vibe. Just needs someone to go up to them and go, look, can you just fuck off now? You know. <laughs> you walk up to the girl at the party, like, yeah, yeah, look, if you want to stay, Sally, great, stay. Like you're very welcome, but don't just stand there with a the face like a smacked ass. This is a party, and I've just boshed two bombs of Mandy, and all I can see is your miserable boat. <laughs> My miserable what? Your boat. your boat race face. Oh, oh right, right. Sorry, I thought you had a problem with boats. Then for a second, I was going to say. Oh God, can we not? I don't, no, it's not. But right, no. I, I was just going to say if you've got if you've got a problem with boats, said you need a reality check. Is what you. Do. I'm just saying, Sally. If you want to be here, fine, stay. But if you don't want to be here, just fuck off already. You know, is my vibe with Rishi Sunak. And Sally, the very annoying imaginary woman in my head. And I know I probably sound a bit snarky, right, and everything with, with, you know, talking about Nags and, you know, just just fuck off already. But honestly, like, it is actually with zero hate. Yeah, well, maybe a little bit of hate. (laughs) But just, like, genuinely, like, I get it. I totally, like, because plot fucking twist, curveball, I don't want to be here either. (laughs) <laughs> i get it if if i could fly off to southern california and spend the other half of my life frittering between you know meetings at google and uh, then what like doing a, a guest lecture at that uh that claremont mckenna technical college that they tossed three million dollars to like while while their own constituency schools were out of toilet paper or whatever it was that they were raising money for, they fucking wrote a check for three million dollars for this private and prestigious American college. Just selflessly donated three million dollars to those children in need. Are you? What's that aid? What the the charity? Children in need. They give three million dollars to children in no 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 no. Just the the wealthy. Children of, you know, American families. Like, oh, right, right. So yeah, less children in need, more children in fucking Malibu. Like that's who they donated to. They donated to that while their local primary. And I've literally just checked this, right? Their local primary school in his constituency is a place it's it's a school called Layburn Primary. And this motherfucker, right? Even after he had fucked them off before, <laughs> so he knows the optics of this. This cunt just donated ten pounds to them. <laughs> like, can you fucking believe that? Ten quid. You're like, yep, yeah, three million dollars to these rich American kids over here. All oh, right, okay, and uh, can can we have something? Like, because what? One of the roofs is leaking, and we're running out of bog roll, and uh, uh, we co- we caught one of the kids taking a shit. In the canal over the back, and some old boy on his bars got really upset about it. So, could we just get a bit more funding, or you know, a half decent donation? Or no, no, you, you get ten pounds. Like, wow, how fucking tone deaf. Do you... anyway. Back to my point. If indeed I had a point. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, that's right. So, if I could leave here and go do that silicon valley shit you know meetings and giving lectures here and there like i'd do it in a second you give me the options of staying here on this shit polluted high-tax nightmare island or fucking off to california i'd choose the latter two like it wouldn't even be close it'd be like well do you do, do, um do you love your country aid uh yeah yeah i do more than leaving and never having to look back? Fuck no. Where's the ticket? Like, I would be gone like NSYNC, bro. Christ. Look, all I'm saying is that if I had the international mobility that the Sunaks do, I'd be on the first Infosys Air Force One out of here. (laughs) Now, that is some top-tier wordplay for you on a Tuesday night, influencers dear listeners. I'd be on the first plane out of it. And so I don't hate them for, you know, kind of planning that, which is clearly what they're looking to do. You know, with the green cards and the non-dom, the donations to the US tech schools, the first holiday they take is straight back to California. I just wish, like, if that's the plan, if that's the place that they're long term invested in, I just wish that they would, you know, hurry up and fuck off like or in the wise wise words of one leanderthal if you don't like it here fuck off back to america what else is going on what else is going on guys um donald trump is still very much in hot water i don't know if you guys are following that too closely uh you've got the georgia case which the court is just decorated in high security now just you know such is the fear of a stampede of idiots <laughs> just a charge of morons waving their dixieland flags and q anon posters and and there's a part of me that's like, oh, they wouldn't be that stupid, you know, so as to charge into a courtroom or you know and then the rational, historical part of my brain kicks in. It's like, they literally charged into the Capitol building and sat spinning in Pelosi's chair. It's like, you think they'd give a fuck about a shitty Georgia courtroom? Really? Like like they warmed up with Congress, but they draw the line at a state courthouse, do they? Like what kind of bullshit is that? So of course they would storm it. So they're probably right to, you know, fence it all off and and whatever. But anyway, the Georgia case is preparing for its indictment. And uh, for those of you not keeping count, that will then be the fourth indictment of Donald J. Trump. And we heard the other day, obviously, that was the third indictment, right? Ended last week, I think. That was the January the 6th thing. And it's all just getting very real now, isn't it? Like, we're so used to Trump being in some kind of legal entanglement, aren't we? It's easy for it all to kind of fade into the background. And we sort of become immune to it. Hearing lawyers releasing statements on his behalf, and we see footage of him going in and out of a courthouse. And, you know, it's sort of a semi-regular thing now. But then you're confronted with the reality of these charges and then it sort of hits you, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, like he is. He's legit charged with like to see it there in black and white, you know, the United States versus Donald Trump. And the charges are like, you know, serious shit. It's like conspiracy to defraud the United States of America. It's like that. And then interfering with the U.S. Democratic. Process Like, it's all getting very real now. And I imagine it's getting very real to him, (laughs) too, which is why he is inarguably becoming more unstable. (laughs) Like, like, the, the thing about the law is this, right? Even if you disagree with the case against you, even if you have a fear that the judge might take a dim view of you from the outset, like, you cannot publicly hold the court... Or the legal process in contempt, right? You can call the prosecutor a dickhead privately amongst your friends in a bar or whatever, but you can't call the prosecutor a dickhead on truth social <laughs> to a million followers or whatever, you know? You can't call it a kangaroo court, you know? Like, the, the whole thing, the whole exercise, the whole process, these institutions, the whole thing is that it is a court. Of law and that law is written and we all abide by it or at least you know in this instance Americans do right and you have your chance to make your case or defend yourself against someone else making their case and and somewhere in the middle of all of that through the use of documents and testimony and stats and camera footage or whatever the court will eventually arrive at what most of us would accept as the truth. It will arrive at a verdict, which will be written down in a book as a matter of record, and you as the defendant or the accuser, I don't know, like you are going to have to find a way to reconcile with that. But Trump is being backed into a corner now. You know where he's got all of these cases and they're all heating up at once and each one of them requires another set of lawyers or more billable hours from the same team of lawyers. And it all gets so expensive. And then there's the very real possibility that he's going to go to jail for one of these things. Right. And so what does he do? In a scenario where he just has to keep his mouth shut and show respect to the court or courts plural and then make his case or defend himself against somebody else's case what does he do he's just gotta stay quiet he starts mouthing the fuck off about the special prosecutor like he posted a thing the other day ostensibly threatening witnesses his post on truth social was like if you come for me i'm coming for you like <laughs> what are you doing and now overnight like just last night there's a thing uh, in the independent this morning It says Trump posts another attack on the judge ahead of the first court deadline. Like, on the judge? Donnie? On the the judge? Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, who is advising him? Is anyone advising him? Like, his his attorney's just seeing this stuff come up on the news like everyone else. And they're like, oh my God, no. No, no, Donald, Donald! What are you doing? You know? So what did he say? How did he threaten or bash the judge let's take a look so trump had this to say last night on his probably soon to be defunct truth social twitter light fucking nonsense he said he said there is no way i can get a fair trial with the judge assigned to the ridiculous freedom of speech fair elections case so he's, he's worried that she's going to be biased this judge and that she hates him And he continues, he says, everybody knows this and so does she. He says this in all capital letters, by the way, just as you would expect from a six year old. Uh, He says, we will be asking immediately for recusal of this judge on very powerful grounds and likewise for a venue change out of D.C. So his issue is that she might be biased and look, maybe he's got a point. In the. If you look at her track record, at the things that she's prosecuted, well, not prosecuted, but the things that she's ruled on, or whatever the fuck it is that judges do, if you look at her record, she has imposed harsh, harsh sentences on other offenders from January the 6th. So it's kind of not that outrageous to think that maybe she will be equally harsh to the person that many people believe to be the sort of de facto ringleader of that incredibly ugly episode, you know? She could be biased, maybe. But I suppose the counterpoint to that is that... (laughs) I mean... I mean, maybe the reason she's so harsh to January the 6th writers is because they were fucking rioting, Donny! Like, how about that? Maybe it's not the fact that she hates you, or that people in D.C. hate you, or that you couldn't get a fair trial there. It's that the things you're accused of doing in DC are actually crimes. You fucking idiot. And they attract a certain sentence. And that happens to be custodial. I could never get a fair trial here. Really, like it's it's kind of the um you're just jealous, you know, of the of the post presidential legal world. Is it? You're just incredibly, inexplicably jealous and hate me for no reason. Really? Are you sure? Are you sure that people just randomly take a dislike to you based on nothing? Or do you think maybe this bitch might take a dim, judgy view? <laughs> do you do you think she might get a bit judgy over rioters who murderously break the law? Like, could it be that, do you think, Donnie? But you will be pleased to hear, dear listeners, that the chances of him getting his uh, his case transferred out of dc are pretty slim so that's good um basically what we're shooting for here if you are of a similar political persuasion to me and honestly like how could you not be if you've made it what are we like 45 minutes in <laughs> If you've made it 45 minutes into my podcast, right, like, imagine that. Imagine if you're a right-wing, flag-noncing, alf-garnet-gammon type, you know, but, but you still put yourself through every entire episode of my shit because you like getting wound up that much, you know, which is not too far-fetched, by the way. When you, when you look at the fucking... The guys who get weirdly angry about asylum seekers, it's like anger for recreation with some people. But they get angry because they enjoy getting angry about refugees. But under the guise... Like, I did a video about this yesterday. Like, how it's always under the guise of national security. It's always under the guise of, we don't know who these people are. But then it's like, why are you so angry about it then? If it's just about efficiency. If it's just about constructing an effective asylum process. Why aren't you just looking at this, like, with a cool head? (laughs) And strategy and tactics and... You know, weigh up the pros and cons. of Why are you so angry? Anyway, where was I? Uh, So with the Trump thing. So the transfer out of D.C. business, the chances of that happening are, I think, slim. And what we're shooting for here is that Trump does not get to delay anything. He doesn't get to change venues. He doesn't get to recuse and then replace anyone because the window is tight already. And the chess move that he's going for here Is that if he can sufficiently delay things, then it will spill over into his aspirational elected term as returning president. And then he can just pardon himself and the whole shit goes away. So anyway, just quickly, before I wrap up, I think this is where we're at. Trump wants to transfer, but that is unlikely to happen. A lot of people say D.C. is very Democrat. Uh, But it does obviously, you know, it has Republicans in it. So the idea that they couldn't find 12 people for a jury that shares some sort of, you know, political balance is a bit fucking ridiculous. Also, Trump wants a different judge. But that's probably not going to happen either because, you know, I don't think this woman has ever said anything on record. I haven't read anything so far where she's positioned herself as someone who hates Trump personally or politically, you know, tribally. She's literally just collaborated or cooperated with the January sixth committee, right? And then there's these January sixth the rioter cases which she has imposed harsh sentences on, but they're not—they're not Trump's case. So I don't see, you know, unless unless they dig out some footage of her knocking back champagne with Hillary, giving a hand job to Biden, <laughs> you know, turning to the camera, mouthing you know, fuck that orange piece of shit, you know, on Snapchat, then I don't see how or why she could actually credibly be removed, you know? Which brings me to my end of show prediction, guys. Are you ready? Should we do this? My end of show prediction for where this is headed for Donald J. Trump. This is what I think is going to happen. See what you guys think. Let me know if you think I'm onto something here. So, given that it's in Trump's interest to delay this shit, and given that he's twice requested delays, and they're already onto him with that, like both times they've rejected it straight off the bat. They're like, nah, no. And given that if his case runs, right, untempered, he could go to jail. Before he's able to get elected, and then he can't pardon himself and, and all that stuff. Given all of that, that's the context. Here is my prediction: he needs this to be delayed. I reckon he's going to call a sickie. <laughs> that is, that is what is going to happen, isn't it? Like, just, just wait and fucking see. He's in so much trouble. He needs to delay this. It's like his only hope of definitely avoiding a prison sentence is if he delays it and then he's elected as president like if this idea hasn't landed in his head yet it's going to fucking land in his head like give it a week or a month or maybe even in the middle of the trial but at some point you are going to hear his lawyers say the following words like your honor uh my client uh for former president Trump, is devastated that he can't be here today this morning but unfortunately he is suffering from Patriot's elbow or or, you know something like that (laughs) like he's well I don't like maybe maybe the idea of prison is so scary to him like he'd be desperate enough to get someone to accidentally shoot him in the leg you know or something. takes him a week to recover maybe a couple of weeks with therapy to learn to walk properly I don't know like something like that something like that is going to happen because he can't let this continue can he his options are basically at this stage find a way to delay and hope he gets elected say the whole thing's bullshit and try to start a civil war, which he <laughs> tried that a little bit before already. Uh, option three, he can kill himself, but I don't think he's going to do that. Or or he can fucking run away to somewhere with a non-extradition treaty and become a sort of, you know, a weird qanon exile figure or so. In fact, you know what? I would love that. <laughs> I'd love it if he actually went on the run, you know? I would love that, like... If Donald J. Trump went on the run like Dr. Richard (laughs) Kimball, like went underground, grew a beard, had to swim across rivers and, you know, stow away on trains and shit. And he's hiding in lorries to try and cross borders, sleeping rough. He's got nothing but the clothes on his back, like nothing. But he's made it away. He's fleed the persecution that he so endlessly goes on about and then and then and then he would arrive in dover right washed up on our shitty beach alongside a couple of dave from dagenham's hangover poos (laughs) and a chunk of the fatberg that your mum poured down the plug hole because your mum's a fucking idiot and she never learned that you're not supposed to pour lard down the sink you moron mum (laughs) but he's there with nothing but the clothes on his back and feet Bleeding and sore as he staggers up the sand and up to this refugee centre. And, and then, yeah, actually, I will stuff that fucker on a floating prison. I am that petty. I will fucking do it. Refugee Donald J. Trump. And if you don't like it, if you don't like it, you can fuck off back to France. Guys, that's it. Uh, please do consider joining the Patreon. Uh, it starts at just £3 a month. Uh, patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end uh, you get all the episodes two days early you get access to the discord chat instant messaging i jump in there every day uh almost days uh you get an rss feed that's how you get the episodes nice and quick plumb straight into your like spotify or your apple podcast uh if you jump on the higher tiers so it's like three pound five pound ten pound uh if you jump on one of the uh, like premium tiers i guess you'd call them um uh, I throw in a Skype, you know, a beery one one-to-one with me. You can ask me anything. We can talk about life, love, the universe, podcasts, politics, whatever you like. Uh, there's London-based meetups. You get first dibs on the tickets for the live shows. A- anyway, that's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. Oh, and on the subject of the live shows, uh, I am, of course, doing my first London date by myself uh, for this podcast, for this stuff. Um, It's a live edition of the podcast, and that is on Thursday, the 28th of September. It's at the book club in Shoreditch. And it's me, Otto English. You might know him from Byline Times, Byline TV. He's done the, uh, he wrote the Fake History book. Uh, I think that's a bestseller now. Um, So yeah, really funny guy, satirist, comedian. Uh, Ashley Hayden, John Left of the Countryside. They're all going to be there. We're all on the bill together. Um, Also, you can catch me at the Riot Society in November. That is alongside Super Tansky, Danny fucking Price, Dane Baptiste, Marina Perkis. We're all going to be there. That's November in Tower Hill for the Riot Society. You can grab tickets to both of those if you go to funk27.co.uk forward slash shows. And I usually put a link to that in the description to these. Uh, finally, quick nudge, quick doff of the cab, Uh Please do jump on my YouTube if you haven't been on there before. I know most of you listen to this through Apple and Spotify uh but most days I'm uploading a punk politics video now uh, which is a sort of 10 minute stand up satirical comment thing about whatever's in the news you know so if you like this you might enjoy that also um that's it from me I'm going to do a quick name and shame of my Patreon backers thank you so much guys for continuing to support um uh the podcast I I always forget to get this up on the screen man incredibly unprofessional i know uh anyway big shout outs to bowman kai christy david uh martin maracas uh, mojo sabian peter del monte uh pingu silent Stuart, t-rex aaron alex jeff ned sarah And Simon, thank you so, so much, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible at that gig uh, in September at the Book Club in Shoreditch. Until next time, take care of yourselves. That's it from me. I'm done like a kipper.